take a portfolio mindset to your career. Think about you know, your various interests and the ways in which you can monetize them, the things that you can do so that you're not entirely dependent on one income stream or most importantly, one part of your identity. The C-Suite is a podcast about sharing entrepreneurship stories and illuminating financial concepts in a way that speaks to who we are as creatives, as small business owners, as entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs not as finance executives. Each episode features one finance term that is explained through career stories in conversation with friends. So join me as we dive into the highly personal stories that bring finance to life. Because you can do this. You can learn to understand it intuitively. And when we do that and put new ideas into context, that's when we can learn, plan, and thrive. Welcome to the C-Suite with Catherine. So this is a solo episode, and I decided to flip the script a little bit. So I asked a number of people in my life, and they're all different. They play different roles. I asked them questions, and I've got them here, and I'm going to answer them for you today to explain a little bit about myself and how and why I decided to start this podcast. So I'm going to go through some of these questions. What's your favorite part of the entrepreneurial journey? I think my favorite part of the entrepreneurial journey is autonomy over my time. It is being able to plan my days and weeks in a way that feels really efficient for me and and my business. And for myself, entrepreneurship is definitely more difficult than working for someone else. However, if you value things like autonomy over your time, flexibility, It can work for you in a sense that, well, you're going to have autonomy over your time and you're going to have flexibility because you are in control, but you're also in control over your income, over how much effort you're putting in. So there are pluses and minuses to that, but it's certainly something that I feel better being in the driver's seat. This question's great. Who inspires you? So I was reflecting on this question and I realized that I've always been inspired by specifically women who focus on sharing their passions through media. I've always loved food and restaurants and chefs. And when I was a little girl, I loved the Food Network. And, you know, I think it's interesting. You can have these passions and only at certain points in life does it click and you understand why something really was powerful over you. I loved watching these women on the Food Network. So Rachel Ray, Jada, Martha Stewart, you know, I thought these women were so interesting. They would bring you into their environments, create these expressions of who they were through food and through the way that they talked about food and and cooking. And the other day I was watching a show about Rachel Ray and her new home in Italy. And she's converting this like Italian sort of barn into a home. And she's saying, you know, this is the result of all my years of working for myself. And it clicked for me. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These women in media that I watched when I was a girl, they were entrepreneurs. They were small business owners and their business was their brand and their message and their particular breed of creativity. And they just happened to deliver that on camera. And so one of the questions here is also, you know, you've had this diverse career experience. Why have you now arrived at doing a podcast? And I was 
really reflecting and I understand now that, you know, media and sharing my voice has always been something I'm really passionate about. You know, public speaking and helping to inspire others through practical, helpful pieces of information about life. And, um, you know, why finance? I think finance and financial literacy, especially for small business owners, is the ultimate form of power and independence and freedom. And the real reason why this is so important to me comes back to also my experiences while watching the Food Network as an adolescent girl and watching my mom in the kitchen trying to navigate, you know, becoming a single mother, having to figure out her professional identity, and really just having to run with a lot of responsibilities that she didn't anticipate having to bear on her own. And so for a girl, you know, oldest daughter, seeing that, I just remember thinking, okay, it seems like money and financial literacy and understanding how to make all this work is really a key to your own independence. And, you know, by extension, your sense of calm and peace in the world. And one of the questions that was asked of me as well is how do you define success? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I would have answered this differently when I was, you know, 25 or in my, in my late 20s and certainly in my teens and just at different points in my life. But today for me as a woman in my 30s, I now define success as feeling calm. I define success as peace, not having to worry about unanticipated chaos. So that, you know, that's the result of years of working towards finding my own purpose and my voice and calling. And it was through working with my emerging designer clients, primarily women in the fashion industry, that I understood, okay, there is one theme here that unites all of these small business owners' challenges, and that's they are so talented, so creative, so smart, visionary people, visionary women, members of the LGBTQ plus community, but they're running up against these obstacles because there aren't tools designed for them. If you, you know, search financial operating model for small business, you know, you can certainly find a couple of options, but they are designed for in my opinion, people who have taken finance education, they understand, you know, a, a little bit more about how bigger companies operate. They're not set up for the way in which small businesses actually operate on a day-to-day basis. I just continued to find a need in the market where small business owners could not find resources to help them understand their cash flow over time. And so that's brought me to this point today where I work with clients one-on-one doing this. But my real goal is to drive value for as many small business owners as possible. I guess it goes back to that Food Network idea of watching, you know, Rachel Ray make a recipe that then millions of people across the country could make that recipe in their home, right? She was all about these fast, efficient meals. And I think there's something so powerful about creating easy to access, digestible, practical content that's educational around money and around finance for small business owners. So that's why I'm here. Another question I love is, do you listen to your gut and inner voice? So my inner voice is loud. It's really loud. I can't help but listen to her. She also talks really fast, like she's totally a New Yorker. So I benefit from sharing my instincts and my insights with what I call my personal board of directors. I have a trusted contingent of people who I go to 
when I need to gut check something, I need their knee-jerk reaction because they know me so well. So yes, I listen to my intuition almost every time she yells at me because I've just found that when I don't, I usually regret it. But my intuition is something that I've cultivated through experience, right? Like wisdom comes from trial and error and from learning. And then you've got this combination of experiences that you can use to make decisions. And so I don't think intuition just comes out of nowhere, but I do think I definitely listen to mine. So what drives me? Goals and milestones definitely drive me. I'm also very negatively motivated. So if someone tells me that they think I can't do something, thank you so much. I am now three to five times more likely to do that thing. I'm not really sure where that comes from. I have told a story in the past about how I had a guidance counselor in high school who I came to him and I said, you know, I'm interested in these schools. And he said to me, well, I think you're going to need to aim lower. And I'm so grateful because in that moment, I was like, did this man in a position of power in my school just tell me I need to aim lower? And, you know, really bad idea to tell a teenage girl to aim lower. She might actually listen to you. But in my case, I said, okay, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. I'm going to prove this guy wrong. And, you know, there was some truth to what he said. I didn't have the best grades in the first few years of high school. It was okay, but I had some stuff going on. So it, it wasn't like a walk in the park to get into a great college. But you know what became my goal? Well, I'm going to get into a great graduate school. I would love to get an MBA one day. Now, I didn't think those things were possible, but when I came to New York, I started to meet people who took one look at me and said, hey, I think you you could do that, or I know you can do that. Why don't you try that? And so suddenly I was surrounded by people who I think on some level, they were just secure in who they were. So they were comfortable and in fact, incapable of not trying to encourage other people around them and encourage me and say, hey, Uh, you're a great public speaker. I think you should use your voice for, mm, I don't know, right now in my life, you should use your voice for financial literacy for business owners. That's your passion. Go do it. The world needs you and business owners need you. And I, I would encourage all of you listening to this, the same thing. It is amazing what can happen when people start to encourage others and just tell them, hey, you, you, you're great at this. Have you thought of that? Your potential is limitless. This question, define having it all. I think having it all looks like having support on all sides, like being in a battle, knowing you have every side covered, which is a very Scorpio political science undergrad thing to say. But for me, that means peace. Like, I think you can only achieve this once, A, you know yourself, and B, you assemble and and build those support structures around you. And that takes time and ambition with the time that you have to make the most out of every day. I think, you know, having it all is also health, rest and peace, like I said, and friends and family. Here's a powerful question. What is one of the biggest mistakes you have made in your professional career and what did you learn from it? I'll start by saying things are only a mistake if you don't learn from them. Bad things happen. Challenges happen. Roadblocks happen. Oversights happen. But if you can learn from each one of them, they are not a mistake. One of the biggest mistakes that I've made in my career is thematic. It comes back to thinking I was responsible for everything and that I couldn't ask for help. And then when asking for help, not getting it and thinking that not getting it was somehow my fault. 
I've learned now that I have to be explicitly clear in regards to delegating and boundaries. I have to be very loud in that regard. I like, for example, I'm I'm often asked for sales and marketing support. That is no longer what I do because I do not really enjoy doing it for others. Am I good at it? Sure. Capable? Sure. Do I want to do it? No. I want to focus on my unique area of expertise, which is finance for scaling brands, explaining financial concepts for small business in a way that's easy to understand and empowering because that can drive real change. So that's what I want to do. And on a personal side, I've made the mistake of not asking friends for help, which caused confusion and hurt on their part because they felt I didn't trust that I could rely on them. And that's only an insight I learned much later when I started to believe that my friends really loved me and they wanted me to feel that I was cared for and cared about. And so when I didn't come to them for help, it created a real sense of confusion and hurt because they knew I needed it. They could see I was struggling with something, but they didn't know what it was. They didn't know how I needed their help. And they felt, frankly, undervalued by me because I didn't feel that there was that safety that they so believed was there. Throughout your career journey, what has been your biggest pinch me moment? Why was this moment so special and or rewarding? So I have a suggestion for all of you. I keep a folder in my inbox called pinch me in all caps. If you're an entrepreneur, you need a pinch me folder because one of the benefits and rewards of being an entrepreneur and a small business owner is things are going to happen to you that you never believed were possible. The flip side is you're going to have some of the hardest, most challenging days of your life. That's why the pinch me folder is so important. You need to drag the emails and save them in your pinch me folder that make you go, oh my God, oh my God, is that, is that subject line real? So for example, the contents of my pinch me folder include... Plandeville's trademark being confirmed. It includes being invited to speak at Harvard Business School and and the email back from my best friend that said, we're going to Harvard. We were going to Harvard for 24 hours, but for us, we were going to Harvard. There's another one with Anna Wintour's assistant talking about one of our designers and a dress that was made for Anna getting to her and that she loved it. And there's another one that's a screenshot from the Cuts homepage, New York Magazine, and it's a photo of Hillary Clinton with Anna Wintour, and it's a headline. And then below that is a photo from the Plandeville website and the headline, Shopping Up and Coming Designers Just Got Easier. Plandeville is expanding into ready-to-wear this fall. What motivates you? How do you remotivate when you lose motivation? You know, I was recently reading some old press stories. Um, I was amazed by what I said back then and how little experience I had, yet there are these truisms that I said about small business that I'm so proud of younger me for. I want to make her proud and I want to continue to grow. So I guess I look to the past for inspiration and I think about continuing to look back and reflect on what can actually happen. And and I think with time, when you look back at your achievements, you can really understand how much work they took, how much effort was there. and, And that really propels me forward. How do you overcome fear and doubt? This is such a good question. I I think a lot of fear for me is around failure or surprise or chaos. So I will, and this is hard and I have to really work at this. And I think it's something that challenges a lot of people, but I'll sit down and wrangle the facts. So if I'm 
destabilized by some unknown. It's usually because I don't really want to look at the bottom line or I am putting it off. No, you have to sit down, dive in, wrangle all the facts and get a handle on it because fear and doubt comes in the face of the new and the unknown. Only when you face it head on and ask for help can it lessen. This question is asking me, talk about leadership style. How would you define yourself as a leader? What makes a good leader? I think leadership style evolves, but it is defined by your core values, the things that make you who you are, what you value more than anything else. For me, that's respect, empathy, autonomy over my time, work-life balance, family. So those things guide all of my decision-making and I channel them in the way I treat other people. If you are an entrepreneur with employees, you need to recognize that people are giving you some of their finite time on this earth in service of your idea. They are talented, unique individuals capable of anything, certainly capable of working for anybody. And they've chosen you. They could be anywhere. And they've chosen you. I believe it's your job to prioritize them. Frankly, that is how you inspire excellence. Make sure they know the goal and they share in it. They share in what it is you share it with them, and they believe because they are a part of making that happen. Now, not every hire is perfect. So in the event that you've hired the wrong person, and wrong meaning they are creating a challenging environment for your right people, then it is your responsibility to act swiftly and protect your organization. But ideally, you should make very careful hiring decisions that you can stand behind. I view needing to fire people as a failure of my leadership. The C-Suite with Catherine is brought to you by Cashflow for Creatives, a financial literacy company dedicated to supporting the small business community through easy-to-understand finance templates, tools, and trainings designed to help you manage cash flow with ease so you can focus on growth and getting back to doing more of what you love. Our core offering is the consistent cash flow method for small business owners, a groundbreaking approach to understanding your small business finances. This method centers around three key parts. First, understanding the key numbers that matter in your business. Second, the expenses you need to plan for based on your strategy. And third, how to craft sales goals based in facts that you believe in, and most importantly, that you understand how to achieve. When we paint this picture together, we get a very clear sense of how much money your business may need and when to be successful. This program is perfect if you're thinking about funding for your business or if you're debating about what comes next and you want to understand how to envision the future with clarity. Plus, you'll gain access to our group mentorship and direct feedback from me. Cashflow for Creatives also offers our Simple Finance 101 small business courses. Short, snappy, powerful lessons that help transform the way you think about money in your small business and These quick but effective mini-courses have an immediate beneficial impact on your business day-to-day. Head to cashflow-method.com to find the next best step for you and your business. It's also linked below in the show notes. What led you to pursue your MBA? So it was 2016. I had this office on 7th Avenue, five women working with me, including my my intern from Harvard Business School. 
and I realized that I had the entrepreneurial drive and the ability to motivate others behind an idea. And that is so important. If you can do that, that's that's truly key to being successful as an entrepreneur. But I didn't have the financial skill to lead them responsibly. When you're an employer, it is your responsibility above all else to provide opportunities for your team to thrive and grow. And on a baseline level, that means a consistent paycheck for them. That means they understand what the future looks like. And so that means you understand what the future looks like. And in a concrete way that you can look at it from a financial perspective. And I couldn't do that at that time. I didn't have the tools, so I needed to go get them. What led you to create Cashflow for Creatives? So two things. The first, I wanted to start another company. I was looking out, you know, during the pandemic and thinking, okay, entrepreneurship is is everything to me and I'm ready for my next idea. And now a note about ideas. Entrepreneurship is hard. Very hard. <laughs> it requires you to get up every day with something pulling you forward. And so I always say your idea has to grab you by the shirt basically and pull you out of bed. Your idea should be like this invisible rope that's pulling you from your belly button toward the goal. And so when you come up with an idea and you feel that like whoosh of it literally pulling you out of bed as if you have no control over it, then you know you're on to something because that's speaking to the motivation that comes from knowing your idea solves a problem. So I wanted to, in my next chapter as a small business owner, do something that was scalable, that was digital, that involved media. And I wanted it to be a workplace of meaning with products of purpose. And I wanted it to be about financial literacy because that continued to come up against the creativity and the vision and the power of the creative small business owners I was working with. So reason one, I was ready for my next company and my next chapter. And I knew I wanted it to be this. Reason two are my clients and my students. I truly believe that financial literacy is the missing link in the day-to-day lives of most small business owners. I see it constantly. You're able to focus on your amazing idea, execute with a tremendous amount of passion, and generate results. But it becomes very difficult to plan a future when there isn't a template or tools or an online system that teaches you really how to understand the underlying financial structures that make this all work. So I wanted to create it. Now I've got some questions about entrepreneurship. What do you feel is the most important component to achieving success as an entrepreneur? The ability to reinvent yourself is the most important ingredient for entrepreneurial success. The French word entreprendre, which means to undertake or to do something, you have to undertake each day and yet think in years. What is the number one challenge you see young entrepreneurs and small business owners facing? The number one challenge for small business owners and entrepreneurs is managing cash flow with ease. There are not tools for this, which is why I created Cashflow for Creatives. And even understanding why a bookkeeper is so critical is something that I think is like overlooked and misunderstood. Bookkeeping is a function. And if you can't manage it yourself, which is the case for 90% of entrepreneurs and small business owners, you need someone to do it. And to clarify, bookkeeping is not generally accounts payable and accounts receivable activity, which is ongoing and daily, but rather a monthly reconciliation that tells you a lot. But again, it's monthly. 
It's looking back at the previous 30 days. It's not answering the question, how many bills do I have due in the next 30 days? What do I owe all of my suppliers? Because once you can look at all of your outstanding payables, you can plan them. You can have negotiations with your vendors. You can say, okay, I have X dollars in the bank today. I have Y dollars due over the next 45 days. How do I plan them out in a way that maintains my relationships with my vendors, gets my products out, gets my services delivered? That is the key piece that creates so much chaos and fear and just confusion. But it's also very difficult to manage, especially if you are not being taught about how this all works and how the pieces tie together to solve the cash flow timing puzzle. The number one area where early entrepreneurs and small business owners struggle is in managing AP and AR. That's accounts payable and accounts receivable. This is what impacts your cash flow directly and it informs the health of your overall organization. Yet it is something that very few companies or tools are set up to support in an affordable way. Additionally, businesses must solve a problem. If your business doesn't solve a problem, it's going to become that much harder to be successful, to grow it, to increase your sales, and to really feel like you're adding value. The next question is, what advice would you give to an individual in their early 20s who knows they eventually want to go into entrepreneurship but aren't quite ready yet? My advice for aspiring entrepreneurs is learn, learn, learn. Work for big companies. Work for small companies. My success comes from the structures I learned working as an assistant to editors-in-chief at Condé Nast. If I hadn't been privy to how the, the head executive of a magazine brand interacted with everyone that reported to them and the corporate structure that they reported to, I never would have been able to design my first company, my subsequent advisory firm. I would never have been able to think deeply about how you create company structures through people and ideas. Additionally, I am a huge proponent of the side hustle. If you have an idea, start while you still have your job. Work on it on the weekends. Work at it at night. Yeah, you're going to have to say no to some social plans. But if you have a passion in you that you know solves a problem, it is a great idea to test it in the market while you're employed, while you have the safety of a paycheck of health insurance. Don't make the leap until you have some data. And lastly, take a portfolio mindset to your career. Think about you know, your various interests and the ways in which you can monetize them, the things that you can do so that you're not entirely dependent on one income stream or, most importantly, one part of your identity. What qualities do you think every entrepreneur should possess? The ability to reinvent themselves, tenacity, self-discipline, confidence. What I also find helpful is to craft a persona that you can put on like a coat. That will help you build your confidence and evolve as a public speaker, which, by the way, is completely necessary for success. Public speaking doesn't just mean, you know, speaking in front of thousands of people. Whether big or small, the stage is there for you. Whether you're simply one-on-one to persuade your team or your customers or your vendors, being able to convey your message with integrity, passion, and clarity is crucial to your success as a small business owner. Word of mouth is great and it absolutely works. But I think as we move forward and the world becomes more and more global, being front-facing on a screen, at least, will be key to success. Were you born an entrepreneur or did you become one? 
this question like tugs at my heart. I think there are characteristics that people are born with that makes them a fit for entrepreneurship. If the fashion and media industry had more opportunities for real wealth creation or salary growth when I was in my 20s, I probably never would have become an entrepreneur, but it didn't. So I believed I had to. I remember thinking to myself in my early 20s, okay, I am going to have to go do something exceptional and different in order to stay in this industry long term. However, in terms of being born an entrepreneur, I did start my actual first company when I was in elementary school and I gave manicures on the playground. And I did have competition. There was another girl. There might've even been several, but I took what I now understand was very early version of the luxury approach. My manicures were slow. They took a long time, but they were excellent. They were tidy, shiny, and my customers were happy. And I charged extra for a glitter top coat. It was the nineties people. There were other manicure entrepreneurs on the playground. Some were fast, not as tidy. They, they, they had more customers in an hour than I did. But I think back on that and it's something that I can't, I can't forget. Entrepreneurs are born problem solvers. They're solutions oriented. Business has to solve a problem, right? You also need to be a natural born marketer with a finger on the pulse of what matters to the world and to your customers. What advice would you give to someone just starting their own business? Well, my number one advice would be to take our year of cash flow course within Cashflow for Creatives. If you are planning to start your business, you have to look at it at least from a 12-month perspective. Think about what are your goals? What do you want to actually do in that 12-month period? Because that tells you your whole picture about what your expenses will look like. When you think about your goals and then you detail what your expenses are, It's a lot easier of an exercise, right? I want to do a pop-up store in September. Okay, well, if it's January, when do you start paying rent on that pop-up store? When do you have to hire staff? When do you have to invest in your packaging? Those are the kind of answers that will flow naturally when you're thinking about your expenses from your goals and what is it going to take to make those goals happen. When you're thinking about your sales, you have to take it back a step. So often I find that sales goals are being set based on big ego-driven numbers, like I want to sell a million dollars next year. Okay, well, that's great. But what does that mean on a daily basis? What does that mean from like a key number perspective? For example, if you're a service provider, let's say you're a wedding planner. Well, there are only a certain number of weekends in a year. There are only a certain number of weekends that you want to be available in a year. So Yes, you can change your prices, but you only have a fixed number of weekends to sell for weddings. So your sales goals need to be grounded in fact. How much can you deliver? How much inventory are you comfortable investing in? Are you able to invest in as a small business owner? That's where you're going to think through sales goals that make sense and that you know how to achieve. And then your cash flow management comes in when we're comparing the difference between your sales and your expenses over time. And the year of cash flow will teach you how to understand when am I going to run into negative periods where I don't have enough cash to cover my expenses? Is is that going to be the case for the whole year because that pop-up really needs six months to get going? It all depends. But using a formula that's designed for non-financial business owners is the best way to get started as you think about your company. You need a map, a dashboard. Cash is just gas in the car to take you somewhere. You might not have enough gas in the car today to get to where you want to go. 
but you can understand how much gas you need to get to a certain point. This is my method and what I teach in the Cash Flow for Creatives courses. Financial planning can only happen when you have goals and strategy in mind. These goals and strategy can shift, but that is how you establish your future expenses. And then you establish your sales goals based on the key numbers and facts in your business, like how much you can invest in inventory or how much time you have to sell if you're a service provider. Currently, there are two courses. The first one is the Year of Cash Flow. It's a 12-month tool to plan a year of expenses and sales. This is for people who are just starting out with small business finance. The second course is the cash flow method. This is much more robust. Are you already in business? Have you been in business for some time? Are you pondering what's next for you and your company? Are you considering financing or an investor and want to know what's the right path? This is the right course for you. You'll look at three years of projections. You'll be walked through exactly how to create them and how to understand your cash flow needs for your business based on your goals. And that is going to answer how you raise money, from whom, for when, and how long. Another question was, what is your biggest fear? What makes your stomach drop? My biggest fear is unanticipated chaos. I have dealt with a lot of that in my life. And so it's it's a real fear. You know, sometimes fear of things that are, you know, not, you know, fear of, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of ghosts. No, like this is a fear that's based in very real lived experiences. And on the positive side, it's made me able to handle a tremendous amount of stress. But I think it's also the reason behind my drive. Yeah, I guess then that as I'm saying this, I'm realizing my response has been kind of control. So if chaos and unanticipated challenge coming out of left field is my fear, then a natural response is control. Okay, sure. I think I've, I've channeled that in my focus on relying on myself. So on a practical level, that means entrepreneurship. That means having small businesses. That means being in charge of my destiny through the way in which I earn. What would you tell 12, 16, and 18-year-old Catherine? Those three girls are three very different people, um, but I would tell her to always be kind and that you will never regret working hard, planning long-term, but that you probably should prioritize having fun. That's something, you know, it's like inner child work that now I feel like I can do and I can take a pause because I do feel safe now in the world. I didn't really in the past, but now I do. And so it's like, spend time with friends, laugh, prioritize, you know, time with your girls because your 20s are going to be so amazing. You're going to start a company. You're going to go to Parsons. You're going to go to business school at Columbia. You're going to meet people that make you believe truly in yourself, in your wildest dreams. Um, So it's all going to work out, but it's going to take work and it's going to be worth it. I think I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. How do you define yourself as a leader? I think for me, it's it's really important to set an example of speaking with conviction about topics that are challenging and not being afraid to look finance in the face and say, you know what, I'm committed to learning this and understanding this. I believe that I am capable of this. And, you know, I hear all the time back. So we've got this episode about assumptions, right? And assumptions in the world of Excel and financial modeling are these key numbers that tell you powerful realities about your business. But they're also 
things that we assume, right? And we make assumptions about ourselves. The number one assumption I hear from small business owners who identify as not financial is, I don't think I'll be able to use an Excel template because I don't know how to use it and I won't understand it. And I just was on the phone with a, a small business owner the other day and I said, can we back up for a second and talk about what you just said? I just want to understand how you feel this way because have you tried? And she said, well, no, I've never really seen one. And that's the thing. Only when you see an example, can you understand what it even looks like? When I got to Columbia Business School, I was convinced they were going to realize there had been a mistake in my application and I was going to get turned away at the door. My ID was going to go, "Eh, no access granted, mistake in admissions department. You don't know anything about Excel. I had never taken statistics. I was like, what is that? But the reality is the minute I got into those classes and up came the example or up came the template that you were going to use for corporate finance, I was like, oh, I literally wouldn't even have known how to orient these columns, right? But now I'm seeing, oh, this is how you visualize a year in this format. It's not hard. It's just new. You've just never seen it before because no one's really made these things for small business owners who don't come from the finance world because it's kind of hard to do both small business on the creative side, focused on building the things, but then also get this financial education to then create templates and tools that speak to really creative people. So, you know, I have a background in magazines, in media and journalism and fashion. That and my ability to I don't know, just simplify these things and explain them in a way that is not super financial and really technical, but just like, hey, we can do this too. It's hard because it's new. It's hard because you haven't seen it before. It's not hard because you don't have the skills. When you look at the templates and I walk you through them, I think you'll be amazed at how empowered you feel. And you'll learn things about your business like, hey, we sold $100,000 last year. I, I I didn't even really know that. Or, hey, our net income was $90,000 this year. Well, I, I didn't even really realize that. Is that good? Yeah, that's great. You've only been in business for two years. That's awesome. So once you put your numbers in a way that you can contextualize them and look at them over time, you're going to be amazed by what you can learn from them and the decisions that you can make using them. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that you enjoy the season. I am so grateful to all of the guests that join me to share their career stories and to help illuminate these financial concepts, not through a textbook, but through their own experiences, their own stories, living every day, running their businesses, explaining their experiences with these financial realities in context through story. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The C-Suite with Catherine, your friendly source for small business finance and career guidance through stories. I've linked all the resources that we talked about in this episode in the show notes below, and I can't wait for our next episode together. Thank you so much for being here. Take care.